podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode 134. Today, we're going to talk about being intentional. We're going to talk about living deliberately. We're going to talk about intentionality. And Ryan, if this were a regular podcast... Right here is where the first advertisement would go. <laughs> the the very unintentional advertisement. Well, it'd be an intentional placement of the advertisement. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Let's save that. That's good because there's a question later during the lightning round where we talk about like setting intentions versus intentionality. Right. And, and some of the differences there. So hopefully we'll be able to talk about that. But since this isn't a normal podcast... Actually, this is a pretty normal podcast. I mean, for right? you and I, it's normal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're we're. If you could describe us in two words, it'd be aggressively normal. <laughs> okay. And uh, no, I mean, but if if uh, since we're not going to talk about any advertisers or whatever, anything, uh, I've got some follow up before we dive into these questions. So last episode, you remember, was about constraints. Yes. And we were having some conversations there, and there was one thing that I, I forgot to mention. I was talking about Bex's and my unconventional relationship and some of the constraints around that Mm -hmm. and i didn't bring it up when we were having the conversation because i thought it sort of went without saying but the more i thought about it after recording that um we have some constraints where she lives part of the time elsewhere uh, half the time elsewhere i live half the time with her and Mm so um we have these uh constraints in our life that we have to navigate around right Mm -hmm. and the thing that I meant to say last time is that constraint actually makes our life better. It was not, it wasn't an, uh, it wasn't an intentional constraint at first. We just knew that like it was a necessity, right? Yeah. Life is like your life comes with certain constraints. Yes. In order for you and Bex to have a relationship, there are certain constraints that, that are there that you, you are, uh, you have to deal with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the analogy that I was thinking about is the, water is constrained when it comes to your house right it it, it you don't tell it within pipes exactly the pipes <laughs> constrain the water the doesn't water. come out until you turn the faucet on i it, don't know where you're going with this but yes the, the, i agree the pipes are are a perfect analogy here because that is a type of constraint you're constraining the water it can't just seep into the ground the pipes are going underground you constrain the water within the pipe so that it can get where it needs to go and 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 the thing that we were talking about that that really stood out to me and it's something i've been thinking about a lot since we recorded that last episode is a lot of these constraints actually increase our freedom in the long run mm. but by saying no temporarily by temporarily constraining ourselves or adding these limitations i feel like quite often our life is better as a result it increases our freedom mm-hmm. and so if you haven't listened to that episode, I, w- I would definitely encourage you to to go back to that. One thing that I talked about recently, and I wanted to just follow up with you on, Ryan, is uh, that TV series, uh, documentary series, rather, called Wild Wild Country. Oh, my God. 
the uh, the sort of cult. Uh, I see Sean sort of shaking his head. Apparently, he I'm so he's torn on that well. documentary, man. I well, mean, it was a great documentary. I'm just torn how I feel about it. Yeah, it was it was so well edited. Uh, if I were to have any criticism about it, it seemed like almost pro cult in a way. Um, yes. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. And and there are things that although they they clearly they they presented some of the terrible stuff that cult did but the vast vast majority of the people there were actually when does a cult become a religion yeah i i don't have 200 years yeah i don't know is it time or is it time or is it people it's probably it's probably a little bit of both i I don't know um and and then the question is like and and i don't think it's either maybe maybe it's actually perspective because i hear you know you we have Two friends, Rob Bell and Sam Harris. Rob Bell would call Christianity or Catholicism a religion. Sam Harris would call Catholicism, the the religion I grew up in, a cult. And uh, of course, Scientology. Most people would call Scientology a cult. So, wouldn't wouldn't cult and religion? It, it, I mean, they're kind of synonymous, right? Well, maybe, although you saw in the documentary what the guy Osho was trying to do is he he was trying to abolish the the religion and rebel he didn't want it to be a call he didn't it, it uh, at least that's what he said yeah. and, and and obviously we can uh we, we could argue about that and it's a i think it's a solid documentary series it's well worth the time invested in it's some of the absolutely the six episodes about 50 minutes each so some of the best editing i've ever seen there was this uh a few years ago though ryan we had someone reach out to us they bought this huge building in uh, south dakota <laughs> yeah it was this government building that had been built with the um, uh, the 2009 uh, early Barack Obama administration, the the government funds, the the shovel ready. It was one of the shovel ready projects that was built in the middle of South Dakota. It had this huge industrial kitchen and like 30 different rooms. It was this conference center that was built in Howard, South Dakota. Yeah. And uh, the person who purchased it reached out to us that he wanted to turn it into a, a minimalist compound, basically. Yeah, I mean, basically, he asked us to. Uh, go to this this uh, retreat yeah. and run it uh, where it would be you know the two of us and then there are how many they had like 20 something rooms there I think it was yeah close to 30 so yeah so it looks called 30 rooms so then you've got you've got you and I there so that leaves 28 rooms uh, the idea was for us to bring people out to uh, help them cultivate passions help them to uh, uh, work on their projects that that they don't have time to do like basically we were supposed to give them the resources of time yeah and uh of of housing Uh to um basically guide them into not being minimalists but more or less um i don't know help help me out here josh changing changing their direction in life and and i I think uh the his vision and the things we talked about were having sort of long-term residencies short-term residencies and then really short like like one week to one month stays as well so you could have long-term residence there you could have on-site yoga and we never had like a really like strict plan around this it no was, we were just kind of briefly talking about it to me it sounded cool though to be like hey uh you are you're someone who you know has not been given uh, uh an opportunity to really live a meaningful life whether it's um someone's born in the wrong neighborhood or um someone just doesn't have supportive people around them in general right or uh someone just doesn't have they don't have the time they don't have 
uh, the resources to work on that on that you know passion project that they have. Like I thought it was really a, a cool idea in that sense of bringing people in to to help them change their lives for the better. Yeah, but it, but you're right. There wasn't a fully fleshed out plan, but there was a lot of planning that went into it. So, yeah. So the guy who owned it um, got it at a relatively you know basement price and uh, bargain basement price and he flew out to meet with us and and we talked about it we considered it we threw out some ideas and and uh, uh we were and we were considering even going out there and touring it and and going through the whole process eventually we decided to say no because it was this was 2014 so four years ago and we were getting better at saying no to a lot of things at the time mm -hmm. and this was one of the first big opportunities where we had to say no to it because it would have meant dedicating the next year or maybe several years to to forming this sort of minimalist compound and now that I look back on it, you brought this up after watching Wild Wild Country. You're like, I'm so glad we didn't do the South Dakota thing. <laughs> but not because I, you, not because some people wouldn't have gotten value from it. Certainly, some people would have gotten sure. value from it. But you and I aren't out proselytized. We're not trying to convert anyone to minimalism, and we sure as hell don't want to be a, a couple of cult leaders. No, dude. And and sometimes I think these things can accidentally turn into that. And so I think that was the perfect thing to, to kick off today's episode when we're talking about intentionality. For us, like it's in, it, we intentionally want to avoid um, being some sort of, of cult leaders. You know, the only followers we want are followers on social media kind of thing. Right? Yeah. It's so funny, dude. I think we could probably have an hour long conversation just about wild, wild country, man. Yeah. And like how everything transpired because I do look at the South Dakota thing and I'm so glad we didn't do it because of the perception behind it. Honestly, mm. like I know that you and I are not out to be cult leaders, but the perception of, Hey, you know, we've got a community that you can come to. I mean, there's just a certain stigma that goes with it. Sure. I mean, I remember when, when we were in the UK, I was talking about the minimalist.org communities and I had worded it in a way. Do you remember this? We were in no. Leeds and I was like, I said something like, yes, Josh and I, we want to, um, we want to tell you guys about the communities that we're building. And like their eyes got so big and I didn't even catch it. I just continued to talk and you cut me off. You're like, whoa, whoa. Let's be very clear about what these communities are. But I mean, my point is, is like just me wording minimalist.org wrong. Yeah, which are just meetup groups, essentially. Right, exactly. Like me wording that wrong has a certain stigma with it. It has, yeah. it has a certain uh, perception that comes along with it. Yeah, and so we have to be very careful. We have to be very precise in the language we use. And, yeah. and it's not to say that we won't ever do conferences or events or anything like that, but it's being intentional about what we're bringing to the table. And and I think the important thing is, whether it's a cult or, or whatever else, uh, the thing that, that, that really get people into trouble is ideology or dogma, especially dogma, mm. right? And so that's the thing that we want to avoid. And I'm always willing to, to change my mind. But I also real, realize there aren't any universal sort of rules of minimalism that work for everyone. Yeah, you know, I think what we do is we help people who have dogma or who don't have dogma. Right. But we are very neutral when it comes to those types of beliefs. But I, I think the cool thing about what we do and the and the ideas and the topics we talk about, like it transcends all cults, religions, atheists. Um, that's what you'll see when you come to our events. Like it's all different types of people showing up. So sure. I, what I'm trying to say is like minimalism to me is this... Um, it's an enhancer or maybe it's not an enhancer but a complement yeah. to someone's life whether... 
whether they're religious or not. Yeah, it, that's that's exactly it. And, and you find the 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 number one commonality is that uh, it's people with an open mind, people who are dissatisfied with whatever the status quo is, regardless right. of religion or race or age or uh, background, socioeconomic status. You come to one of our events and, and you certainly see that. Speaking of, of events, we haven't announced this yet, so that you're the first one to hear about this. We're going on another tour. Oh my God, you told me we were never going to tour again, Josh. <laughs> 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 All right, so I think, I think we figured it out this time. We're going on a really big, small tour. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing this time, Josh? It's three cities, three states. Okay. Three days. Well, it's not over three days. It's, you know, we like skipping three different events. Yeah, three different events. We're going, it's called the Simply Southern Tour. <laughs> and it is Kentucky and Tennessee and Alabama. Now, uh, by the time this comes out, tickets will not be on sale yet. They do not go on sale to the general public until June 8th, 2018. But if you're a Patreon supporter, You'll get access to the best seats in the house. You get access to the pre-sale tickets on June the sixth. Now we're gonna have this is gonna be different from any past tour stop. Yeah, this we've is done. not this isn't the less is now tour. Yeah, we're not we're not giving that that same talk. We're, in fact, we're not giving a talk at all. We're bringing special guests. Now we're, we can't announce those guests yet because uh, we're still working out details with their publicists. But think about where these are going to be. It's going to be in the South. It's going to be in Tennessee and Kentucky and Alabama. So what kind of guests might we have? Here's here's a hint. We're going to be talking a little bit about, about money on this tour. And so think about that. Maybe we're going to talk about kids. Maybe we'll talk about retirement. We're going to talk about your finances and budgeting on this three-city tour. So details come in over at TheMinimalists.com if you're interested in that. Or if you're a Patreon supporter, you'll have first access. Uh, one last thing before we get into the questions, Ryan. Uh, thanks to everyone who showed up. I did a, a home tour uh, on Instagram Live uh, this month, earlier this month. And um, over 8,000 people showed up on Instagram Live. Nice. Which was really cool. And the video was supposed to stay posted for 24 hours and then disappear. Now, it did stay posted for 24 hours, but apparently it froze at the 22-minute mark. <laughs> so if you attended the live thing, you got to see the full hour, and I answered a bunch of questions, and we had a really good time. But if you watched it afterward, it got stuck after you uh, had basically a, a tour uh, of my, my dining room. So. Bummer. That it is a bummer, but the good news is I'm going to do a second uh, filming of that, not a live stream, but I'm going to record a video in early June for uh, our YouTube channel. So if you want to take a, a, a proper tour of my home, mine and Bex's and Ella's home, then you can do that over on YouTube early June. Just head on over to youtube.com slash the minimalists, or if you're a, a subscriber to our email list over at the minimalists.com then it will show up right in your email it's funny, box I'm, as well. I'm feeling this pressure to do a video tour of my home, but it's not nearly as nice or interesting as your home. Interesting. <laughs> interesting is... Uh, there's, nothing in, my, there's nothing interesting about my place. Like, it looks like it's a normal place. Like, there's yeah. nothing... People would walk in there and they would be like... This is a normal place. Aggressively normal this house is Aggressively tour. normal house tour, yeah. We, we got to do it now. Uh, we're, we're branching out to more video stuff. More on that later in the podcast. We're going to talk about some other video stuff that's, that's coming really soon. But we've got some questions we want to answer about intentionality. Our first question is from Emily in Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. Did I say that right? Do you think that everyone is supposed to leave their corporate job? Because we hear a lot about you guys leaving your corporate job and everyone wants to... Leave their corporate job to 
do this or blog or whatever. I actually run my own blog, so I don't want to go into corporate at all. But I'm just wondering if you think that everyone should not work a corporate job. What do you think, Josh? Should everyone leave their corporate jobs right now? Yeah, and start a blog. But she already <laughs> has a blog, so she's good to go. She's already she's already there. You've got the solution there. Yeah. So so it, do I think everyone is supposed to leave? No. I mean, I uh, I had to go buy a US, USB cable recently, and so I had to go to a corporation to do that. Mm-hmm. And so people, and you know, they offered me. They, <laughs> I was buying a. You one USB cable, mm-hmm. and at checkout they offered me eighteen months financing. They offered you financing on a USB cable on a USB cable. That's like offering that, that's almost like offering a warranty on a USB cable. Like, like here, they offered that too. Oh my! Well, you know what, dude? Court. Here's the thing about corporations, man. Corporations are not. Like they're they're not inherently bad, and what I mean by that is there are some really good corporations out there, mm-hmm. especially B corporations. Now there's only what twelve hundred B corporations in the United States, but a B corporation is uh, they have to meet certain requirements. Uh, it's it's more similar to a nonprofit, mm-hmm. and, and profit is no longer the primary objective of a corporation. But even if you're a, a large corporation or S corp, you're right; it's not inherently bad. Yeah, the the problem is when corporations they they put money first over everything else and unfortunately uh that is that is the situation we're in right now what causes that i mean i would say it's crony capitalism that causes that um but but regardless that's the state we're in right now so when a corporation makes money the bottom dollar when it is their number one driver that means people come second that means environment comes second but what comes first is offering you 18th month, 18 month financing on a USB cable. I mean, what would I do? Show up each month and give them a quarter? I, I, I have no idea. There's this cartoon I cut out. I didn't know where I could use it today, but this is perfect. So this is a cartoon from the New Yorker, Ryan. Do you see this? It's two mob guys, and they have this college graduate who is in a bucket of cement and they're getting ready to push him off the dock. Oh Just like, my God, dude. And, and <laughs> what is it? I can't read the caption. What's it the, say? The caption says, it's not personal. It's not personal. The boss just doesn't like seeing people in so much debt for such a useless degree. <laughs> and, and, and I would say the same thing about a USB cable. If you have to finance, if you have to finance anything with the exception of maybe a mortgage, then... Um, then it's it's probably a bad idea. You know what? Not dude, probably. It's definitely I, a bad idea. If I had a magic wand to like just wave and say, you know what, you know, a, what, a magic wand basically to put in regulations to say, all right, an eighteen-year-old kid isn't allowed to, you know, get into six figures worth of debt as soon as they get out of school. Uh, corporations, they're not allowed to put money first; they have to put people first and environment environment first. I wouldn't do it, and I'll tell you why. Well, a, I hate regulations. Yeah, uh, I think some of them are necessary, but I think. I, I think by and by and large, like it's it's just not. I, I'm I'm personally not a fan of government regulations, but what we can do though is what we're doing now. I think, and that is talking about these issues. Hopefully, you know, reaching the hearts of some people to to make the right decisions, uh, in hopes that they they can kind of change their you know priorities. And I think here with. Go ahead. They can self-regulate is what you're saying, yes. right? Yeah, because we, because I don't want to, like, we have all the freedom in the world, man. Like, we have the freedom. Dude, if you and I wanted to, 
Yeah. Our diet could consist of nothing but Twinkies and Mountain Dew. Right. Like we have that freedom, but we have to be responsible with that freedom. And I don't think regulations are what is going to help people be more free. Yeah. I guess. I don't know why I'm going off on a regulation. This tangent. segment is brought to you by Mountain Dew. <laughs> do the do. But no, I, I think for Emily here, it's it's important to to realize that she can self-regulate. Hmm. She doesn't want to be at the corporate job. That's okay. Um, why don't you want to be at that corporate job? Does it not align with your values and beliefs? Because if it doesn't, yes, that's a problem. But there are certainly corporations out there, Emily, that you can go work for. And they will align with your values and beliefs. If I had to go work for a corporation, like if someone, you know, put a gun to my head, I don't know. I'd probably just let them pull the trigger, but <laughs> just out of spite. But no, I, but seriously, you don't if, have the guts to pull that trigger. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just, uh, I, I just wouldn't have a problem going and, and finding a corporation to work for. Like, I know there are some good ones out there or, you know, I just start my own and yeah make it a good corporation yeah and then maybe here's the other thing if you're working for a large corporation maybe you're not going to change the the structure of the corporation but what can you change what what is in it what is in your world and within your wheelhouse that you know you can change and maybe maybe that corporation is starbucks you work at a starbucks you know mm-hmm. certainly not the best coffee um and and depending on what store you're in it could be great culture and you're not going to change the entire company you're going to change the corporate offices up in seattle at least not not today but the one thing you're in control of is how can I create an outstanding customer experience for the next person who walks yes. in front of me? And and by doing that, you start to change the culture of not the entire company, but of your division. Now, your division happens to be that one little retail store. Mm-hmm. And there are thousands of other Starbucks retail stores. You're not changing them, but you're changing what's in your world right now. Or yeah, or maybe you're just like, you don't, you're not even managing the, the Starbucks. Maybe you're just a barista there. Mm. But it's like still asking that question every single time how can i create the most meaningful you know customer experience like that that well a it rubs off on the customers they appreciate it but it also rubs off on coworkers yeah. now the easy thing to do in in most uh, work environments especially when they tend to be you know lean towards the toxic side it's easy to just go with the flow it's easy to be negative it's easy to to sit there and bash the company and bash and just go along with all that right because you, you you don't want to get bashed as well and so you feel you figure like well the only way that i can fit in here is if i'm also negative but the only way to change that to to reverse the downward spiral is to to stop participating in it mm-hmm. you don't have to participate now this means for emily she might have to if she where she is i can hear the sort of dis- Spare in her voice and do I think everyone should leave the corporate world no but it sounds to me like you should probably leave where you're at if you feel that you are not empowered to make some changes so a the question is can I change the situation I'm in in temporarily because the best time to look for a new job is when you already have a job that mm-hmm. way you're not desperate so try to change the the position that you're in but then if you're going to leave Let's have a plan. I think there are four things that I want to do whenever I'm identifying what a plan is. I know Ryan always talks about you. Make sure you have a plan. But here are the four things that, that I look at. I say, okay, if I'm going to have a plan, the first thing I'm going to ask is, what is my outcome? Or what is the destination? Where am I going to go? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and then second is where am I right now? What's my current location? Mm-hmm. If I need to know what my destination is, if you pull up your Google Maps or whatever, it needs to know where you're going, but it also needs to know where you are right now, right? So take an inventory of where you are right now. Now, you know where you are and then where you're going. And the next two things, the, the only other two ingredients are going to change between where you want to go and where you are right now is time and actions, right? Mm. And so 
How long is it going to take for you to get there? Well, it depends what actions you take. Mm-hmm. It's going to take me three days to get to New York if I drive there. It's going to take me, what, 20, 25 days if I walk there. Uh, if I fly there, it's going to take, what, five hours. And so w- what are the actions I'm going to take that's going to reduce that amount of time? That's a great uh, analogy. And so uh, th- those four things, outcome, current location, time, and action. Look at your calendar, too. So... so um, if I look at, at your calendar right now, I can probably tell you what your priorities are. And if you don't have a whole lot of stuff in your calendar, if you, then you probably don't have a whole lot of priorities. You don't know what your priorities are. Mm-hmm. Schedule the things that you want to change, the actions that you need to, to take to change. I think the, the one thing I would add, add to that is if, you, if you're going through this plan, you, you've got a plan, you're taking the actions, and it's not working you've got to change your approach. Yes. And uh, I mean, that's a total ripoff from Tony Robbins, but, but it's absolutely true. Because uh, what I see, and it's a lot, of, a lot of mentoring students I talk to, is they have a plan, they're working on it, and they feel like it's not working. And then I'll ask them, like, well, what have you done differently? Well, uh, I haven't done anything differently. It's like, well, that's, you got to change your approach sometimes. That's great. Yeah. So if, uh, if reevaluating, and you, you look at it, and you're like, well, I did, I've been driving for three days, and I didn't end up in New York. I, I'm in Toronto. Yeah. You're like, well, okay, well, you need to, cha- you, you needed to reevaluate before you got to Toronto, but now that you're there, you reevaluate now. Last thing I'll ask you, Emily, is what do you want to create? What are you curious about? Because if you can answer that question, what you, it's, it's not just, we don't need the grandiose statement as, I have to follow my passion, or I need to live my life's mission. I think that's great. If you can identify what you're passionate about, beautiful. In fact, if uh, Ryan and I were going through this exercise yesterday, in, in fact, we were doing a, a Patreon live stream for our Patreon supporters, and uh, someone was talking about identifying what they're passionate about, and I've found for me one thing, one way to identify that is if I were to tell you you couldn't do something for a year, what is the thing that would drive you insane if mm. you couldn't do it for a year? For me, it's writing, for sure. There are other things as well, and that's okay to have multiple passions. But if you were to say, Josh, for the next 12 months, you're not allowed to write a single word. Oh, my goodness. Like, th- that, I-, I would feel such despair from that. Yeah, and that that leads me to say, okay, that's the thing I'm passionate about. But if you don't have something like that, then maybe ask yourself some, some easier questions. What what are you curious about? What do you want to create? And, and because if you if you're if you're looking if you're concentrating on what you want to create as opposed to ah here's this job that I hate, maybe you can create that within the confines confines of your normal job, or maybe you can do it in the hours outside of your normal job, and it's going to bring some additional fulfillment to your life. And by the way, nobody is supposed to do anything. You weren't born to be an astronaut or an actor or a nurse or a doctor or a chiropractor or a studio engineer. You, you, can, do, you can cultivate virtually anything into a passion. Yeah, it's like we were born to choose our path. Yes. We weren't born into a path. And, and ultimately, if, if you still can't figure out, like, I don't know what I want to create, then here's what I'll say. Help people solve problems. Eventually, the money will follow. And don't start with the money. How am I going to make money? Just ask yourself, how am I going to help people solve problems? You're that barista at Starbucks? Their problem is they need some caffeine right now. (laughs) What's the best way to get them that caffeine? Is it just to be transactional and say, 
may I take your order? And then, and, and being monotone and, and blunt and borderline rude. No, it's to create the best experience possible uh, so that you feel good about it, they feel good about it, and it's infectious with the, uh, the people around you. Emily, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Everything That Remains. Ryan and I went on this five-year journey from these suit-and-tie corporate guys to becoming minimalists. And in that book, we sort of outlined the, the planning that we went through, the, uh, the, the experience of walking away from one thing and walking toward something that we were passionate about. So, Sean, if you could reach out to her and send her the audiobook version of that. If you like our podcast, you'll definitely like the audiobook version. Or if you'd prefer the book book or the ebook, we'll be happy to send those to you as well. Our next question is from Josh in London, Ontario, Canada. I have no problem when it comes to minimalizing my material things. Um, where I have a problem and where I see a lot of my money going is uh, the, what I consider true consumables, like fast food and treats and snacks and soda pop and you know that sort of thing. Uh, and I'm I'm really having a, a tough time, I guess, minimalizing that aspect of my spending and that aspect of my life. Do you guys have any advice for minimalizing what I call, I guess, a true consumable? Josh, I am Josh and Josh. Yes. I I don't know what true consumable, I don't know what the difference between true consumable and consumable is in Josh's question here. It sounds to me like what he's saying is, is, uh, he has consumables, you know, that are good to eat, but then these true consumables, which are really just on an, an unhealthy diet yeah, is yeah. what it sounds like. So I, um, we can continue to use the term true consumable. I, I, I still don't. Maybe he means physical consumable. So like, okay. because you can consume music, which is digital. I can consume broccoli and chicken. Right, right, right. So maybe he just means physical consumable. So yeah, yeah. but, but um, he's also talking about these like treats, basically yeah. snacks and other things. And the thing that I'll say to Josh in, on, or, yeah, in Ontario is treats are no longer treats when they become routine, you know, if, if you're mm. having the Mountain Dew and Twinkies every day, then all, all, <laughs> that's just a bad uh, diet. Yeah. <laughs> you're not treating yourself. No, no, you, like, just, you are. I mean, you are treating yourself poorly. <laughs> yeah, you're treating yourself to diabetes. <laughs> uh, well, here's the thing. So when I look at consumables, or let's just say physical goods in my life, uh, you, you often hear Ryan and I talk about the need, like, want list. And if I were to rewrite that one today, I would just uh, I'd move my things into three different categories. Any any object that I own, any object that I possess falls into one of three categories, either essential, non-essential, or junk. And I think we lie to ourselves about most things. We can, we can justify virtually anything. And we, we say most of our junk is adding value to our lives. We say most of our non-essentials are essential. And of course, most of our essentials are so precious, we dare not even question them. Mm-hmm. But here's, here's the truth with the things in my life. The essentials are things that I truly need. I need clothes. But it doesn't matter which clothes I have. If this shirt were to you know, rip today, I have another shirt or I can, I can obtain another shirt. I'm not going to be tied to it with respect to sentimentality or, or, or nostalgia. I think nostalgia can be dangerous, right? But I do need clothes. I need a roof over my head. I, I, and then uh, there are very few things that I truly need in my life. But there are some absolute essentials. This is a, a really important exercise, especially if you have any kind of debt and you're trying to get out of debt. 
what are the bare minimum essentials? What am I spending my, what do I have to spend my money on? Beyond that are our non-essentials, but the, those are the things that add value to your life. I bought a couch uh, a few weeks ago. We talked about that on episode, I think 119, the decorations episode. And, um, that adds value to my life. It is a non-essential. I don't have to have a couch, but it does add value to my life. I could afford it and it adds value to my life. It doesn't get in the way of anything either. And I have other, well, I have other things that add value to my life. They're non-essentials. And I have to be honest about that. And I have to be willing to let go of them if they stop adding value to my life. And the third area is the junk. The things that we think we need, the things that we say add value to my life. When I say add value, does it serve a purpose or does it bring me joy? And if I'm honest with myself, a lot of the things I had before, they just got in the way. And if something's getting in the way, then it is just junk. And if you're worrying about it, like Josh is with the stuff, literally we're talking about junk food. Mm. Well, by definition, junk food is junk. You don't need it. It is in the way. It's not only non-essential, it is junk. It is a consumable. It is certainly not a true consumable because there is not a bit of truth in it. (laughs) That's the truth, man. Preach. No, you know, Josh, uh, it, it's, I'm speaking to Josh in London here. Josh, you, you have to, you got to come up with some better habits. Uh, for me, I found replacements for those, those junk, that, that junk food that I really enjoyed. So as I've mentioned on this podcast before, uh, about my, my diagnosis where I was, you know, borderline type two diabetes, um, I had to stop, you know, eating ice cream and I freaking love ice cream. Like I haven't had, I, I take about, I was gonna say I haven't had ice cream in, you know, probably five or six months, but, uh, I've, I've had like three bites of ice cream, um, compared to when I was eating it, you know, a nice big scoop or two scoops once or twice a week. Um, but I'll tell you what I do eat a lot of now, hundred percent dark chocolate. Yeah. Like Trader Joe's has this, um, I wish I had the brand so Sean could put it in the notes. I'll figure it out and maybe send it to him and we'll, ha- we'll put Is it this in that the coconut crispy what kind? Yeah. Dude, brought it's like, it's, for dinner the other yeah, night. it's got like these, um, so it's like a Josh and I, uh, Milburn and I, we were comparing it to the Nestle Crunch Bar. Yeah, yeah. Which we, was like my... So Ryan and I were fat kids back in the day. <laughs> yes. Really, really fat kids. The Crunch Bars were by far my favorite. <laughs> and this Trader Joe's, it's like a healthy Nestle Crunch Bar. Now, it's not nearly as sugary. Um, it, you know, it doesn't give me that that uh, endorphin rush when, <laughs> when I eat it like a Nestle Crunch Bar would. But um, after I have cut out all that, all the, the, the junk food in my life... And, and now like that is what I have. Like it's, it's my new favorite. So, you know, now I got a couple bars of that at home and like just talking about it. I'm like, you know, my mouth is watering a little bit <laughs> when I have a couple squares and there's only like five grams of sugar in the entire bar. Like it's not, it's, it's a very, very low sugar thing. In fact, at Trader Joe's, cause I'll buy, I bought like five or six bars of it uh-huh. and the cashier was like, Oh, let me guess. This is your favorite chocolate. I'm like, yep, this is my favorite chocolate. She was like, I can't stand it. Like I, you know, they came in here and they gave us out samples and it's just way too bitter for me. And, and I'm like, you know what? It was really bitter for me too. Until that, until I kept only that in my life and I cut out all the other crap, your body starts to appreciate different things. So, so Josh, it just doesn't mean Josh in London. It doesn't mean that you have to, uh, you know, cut out 
every single bad thing in your diet. But I would encourage you to start replacing some things, uh, some junk foods with healthy foods. Yeah, what, what are the alternatives is basically what you're saying. Yeah, and, start and, with fast food, I would say. Instead of instead of just getting rid of the thing, is what is the alternative to the thing? Yeah, that way you don't have to say no, 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 no. You're still saying yes, but you're saying yes to the better option. And sometimes, like with physical goods for me, it means I'm saying yes to more space and, and, and I'm saying yes to less clutter and yes to that feeling of like, oh, this this feels like home to me. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to ruin that feeling? Because yeah. nothing ever tastes as good as being healthy feels. That's the truth. I, Josh, I would tell you to start with, with fast food. Um, eating fast food is not very intentional. Fast food is a very impulsive uh, it, it's, it's, it is when we have time constraints, when we're really hungry, whatever it is, we, we will fall on the crutch of fast food. I used to always do it. Um, I would challenge you to be more intentional with your meals. If you have to eat out, that's okay. There are places that you can find, uh, where you're not going to have to eat, you know, big juicy cheeseburger and large fry and a supersized Coke. You could totally go somewhere else and find and find a good substitute. Cooking for yourself, packing meals. I used to do that, especially when uh, you and I were vegan for a year. Like I would have to pack meals because I quickly found out eating healthy, especially eating vegan, wasn't too easy in, in, in Ohio, in yeah. Cincinnati, Ohio. So I had to pack a lot of my meals. But I'll, again, Josh, once you start to instill these habits into your life, man, like you're really, really going to feel good about it. And you're not even going to miss the junk food. I, I cannot believe how how much I don't miss any of the junk food. Like what, the ice cream, for example, the three bites that I've had, mm-hmm. all three bites, very anticlimactic. Mm, it's like I'm funny, man. Looking at it, uh, Mariah's having some. She, she doesn't eat ice cream too often either. Um, maybe a little bit more than me. Sorry to throw you under the bus there, Mariah. <laughs> but I'll be, you know, watching her like eat a scoop of ice cream or something and it looks good and my brain saying man that's really good and then i'm like oh yeah let me get a bite of that and then i take a bite and i'm like because i've gone you know so long without it yeah they're like now i'm just like meh Sorry. and it is this, i i can't remember a time now i'm sure there there, there are going to be an example somewhere that's going to disprove this but i can't remember a time where i'm like I'm really glad I ate those tortilla chips yesterday. <laughs> right. I wish I would have eaten more of those tortilla That's chips. So, in fact. Okay. So, sir, okay. Let's so let's say uh, maybe it happens 0.1 percent of the time. But yeah, dude, when when we would sit there and gorge ourselves with ice cream and hamburgers and all the unhealthy foods, no one feels good after that. No. No one says, "Oh, you know what? I feel so good. I'm gonna go run a mile, or I'm gonna go work on my passion project." Like usually, after I eat that crap, it makes me tired. Like, uh, makes me feel bloated. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing. There's no good outcome. The only, the only good thing about eating that stuff is the ephemerality. It's in the moment and and getting those fast burning carbs into your body, and your body's like, yeah, thanks. But then, like, as soon as it starts to digest them, it, your body's like, oh wait, no, maybe not. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like screw you. Right. All right. Well, Josh, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Essential. It's an essay collection. There's a uh, hundred and fifty essays in Essential. And there's 12 different chapters in there about 12 different, well, different 12 different topics on intentional living. One of those chapters is about stuff and, and how we can be more intentional about the stuff that we get rid of and also the stuff that we bring into our lives. So, Josh, I think you'll find a – oh, there's some really practical tips in there as well. So it's not just pontificating. There are some, some good tips I think you'll find value in. Sean, if you can give him the audio book or the ebook or the book book, whatever he wants, we would appreciate that.
We'd love to hear what you have to say. So if you have a comment or a tip about intentionality, including advice for any of our callers today, then leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com right there from your phone. We'll air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. Also, stay tuned to the end of this episode. We'll air your comments and tips at the end of this episode. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Dude, I was in a, uh, I was at an assembly in high school, uh-huh. and we had like a speaker. I don't know if you remember this or not. Um, he was uh, just there basically talking about like, hey, kids, here's how to um, – here's how to – uh, you know, live a live a good life. Actually, he kind of did what I want to do, man. But <laughs> but um, at the very end of it, he was like, "All right, I'm going to make it rain." Do you, I don't know if you remember this or not. And he had everyone like start to like snap, and then like everyone like rub their hands together, and then like everyone clap. And it's totally with a whole, an entire crowd. It sounded like a storm was coming, and I was going to attempt that on this transition, but uh, I, I don't I don't There's just I don't two of us. I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna work with just two of us. All right, if everyone in the audience, everyone listening, if you start snapping and <laughs> clapping right now, we'll all be good. All right, all right. Uh, anyway, uh, we're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at the Minimalists is our handle over there on all three of those. During the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I each do our best to answer every question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We also put the text of these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our answers on on social media if you'd like and also you can find all of our quotes in one place now thanks to our good friend jessica lynn williams over at uh, minimalmaxims.com all right our first question is from sabrina setting intentions is the easy part how do you remind yourself to recall those intentions during day-to-day life well here's my pithy answer for you sabrina and then we could talk about it knowing the why behind the what makes the how more manageable So let's just talk about that for a second. Intention is only the what, right? You also need to know the why and the how. Why am I doing this? Meaning what's the purpose of of what I'm about to do? And then then the the what is, or or the how is, uh, what what do I hope to accomplish here, right? I'm sorry, that's the what. And then the how is, how will I get there, right? So why am I doing this? What's the purpose? The what is, what do I hope to accomplish? And then how will I get there? Uh, Also, if you do less, you can be more, right? You know, it's our our good friend, Courtney Carver has a website called be more with less. And and I I think that also applies to our busy world or or the busy work that we're involved in every day. It's like more, 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 more filling my calendar just for the sake of filling the calendar. That's not prioritizing. It's just being busy. But if you do Mm. less, you can actually be more productive. My answer to you, Sabrina, is this. Intentions are different from intentionality. Setting intentions without committing to action, well, it's like buying a thigh master just so you can store it in your closet. <laughs> what a great analogy, man. So, Sabrina, here, here, here's what I'm saying. is You do know how to remind yourself throughout your day-to-day life. I mean, I can think of five things just off the top of my head. I could have a friend call me and remind me. I could set a reminder in my calendar. I could set a task reminder on my phone. I could sign up for the app that reminds me I'm going to die every single day. I could uh, take you know five minutes every single day and, and meditate. I mean, there are a million things that you can do. But you, Sabrina, have to decide what it is that's going to work for you. So yes, setting intentions is important, but you have to take action every single day. 
to continue uh, to continue those intentions, uh, uh, to continue being intentional in your life. So, Sabrina, you know what to do. You just got to do it. Do you don't have to do everything at once? Maybe you start. Maybe maybe you start meditating for five minutes a day during lunch. Just start there. But 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 uh, you do have to choose what things that you're gonna have to bring into your life. What actions you need to take to to constantly remind yourself to be intentional. But more importantly, I think it's not about just being intentional as much as it is building those really really good habits in your life, Sabrina. All right, our next question is from Jay from Indonesia. Many people have a habit in which they must always drop their two cents on other people's lives based on their utmost good intentions when actually it's distressing to others. Maintaining politeness when you're upset is quite hard to do. Any tips? So here's, here's my, my pithy answer for you, Jay. Good intentions often lack intentionality. So... But uh, echoing sort of what Ryan said mm. in the last answer, intentions are different from intentionality, right? So, so uh, what Jay's talking about here in, in this example is the good intentions are actually a, an excuse for bad behavior. People are saying, I have good intentions when I'm shitting all over you. <laughs> That's not, I don't care how good your intention is. If, mm. if, if you are doing harm, if you're doing something bad, then that's just bad. And they aren't acting with intention at all. And Dude, so I just realized like good intentions, it's like, a, like people justify it as a good excuse to do a bad thing. Exactly. That's, that is, that's horrible. You got a short answer for us, Ryan? I do. I do. Confidence is key when navigating through people's judgments. An intentional life is a path to confidence. So here's what I'm saying, Jay. If you're living up to your values and beliefs, if you are living an intentional life, if you can look in the mirror and say that you are doing the best job that you can, then Jay, it's going to be really, really easy to ignore those folks who are giving you their two cents on what to do with your life. Yeah, and sometimes you can just say, you know, I don't I don't I don't need the your two cents regardless of what your intentions are, it's not helpful. Yeah, you it's just, okay to say something isn't helpful. It absolutely is. And I'll I'll tell you too, a lot of the times like when people give me their two cents, I'll just you know, I'll say, "Hey, thanks for your thanks for your opinion." Right. And uh I will, you know, take it into consideration. Yeah. Like whether I do or don't. Yeah, probably don't. And, and and you can be that's a nice way to be dismissive and move on. Yes. Say, hey, thanks. Th- thanks for your opinion. Thanks for your thoughts. That's a great thought. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One more question here is from Bradford Gant. Bradford says, I would be interested in an exploration of the relationship between acting with intent and being motivated by or expecting certain outcomes. So uh, if you want to hear our answers to that question, you can listen to this week's Postscript episode over at The Minimalist's private podcast, available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. That's why it's a private podcast. Ryan, you know, we just uh, we just put out our 50th private podcast episode oh last week. Oh my God, week. it's been 50 already. 50, so if you're missing out, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, there are 50 additional private podcast episodes. These are a little short um they're, they're like these these miniature episodes quite often. Many of them are 8 to 20 minutes long, and we, we dive deep. We let our hair down, and, and there's just a few thousand people over there, so we, we can get a bit more aggressive with our answers. So if you want to support our show and keep this podcast 100% advertisement-free, then head on over to theminimalists.com slash support. In addition to our weekly Postscript episodes, the Minimalist Private Podcast feed includes our monthly Ask the Minimalist Anything episodes, unreleased recordings from our 
our live events and the entire back catalog of past private episodes. Once you become a supporter, you'll also receive a personal link to our private podcast feed so that it plays right there and whatever podcast app you're using to listen to this podcast in right now. And as a Patreon supporter, you also receive access to our monthly live stream videos as well as first access to tickets to all of our live events, including the Simply Southern Tour. And so uh, you get those tic- those tickets, the, the best seats in the house, before they're available to the general public. You can find all the details and all the good stuff over at theminimalists.com slash support. And here is a snippet from this week's Postscript episode. I bring this up because you don't need to know anything about basketball to realize that he, he won way more than anyone else. But you know what he never focused on? The score of the game. Mm. He told his guys that, you know, you know if you won the game regardless of what the outcome is. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is regardless of what your expectation is. If your expectation is to get more points than the other team, then you're going to be disappointed if you don't do that. But if you go out there and give it your all and you lose by one point, you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I gave it my all. The opposite is also true. Maybe you beat an inferior team. And you won by a point, but you didn't give it your all. Did you really win? All right, we're back. If you want to hear uh, that full conversation, you become a Patreon supporter over at theminimalists.com. Okay, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. This is where Ryan and I both talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. I've got a few things here, Ryan. So... um, Let's see. I got a new phone recently. It's not the phone that's adding value, but something I've done with it that is adding value to my my life. So I got a new phone because we're doing some more video creations, and I'm going to start something called Living Room Conversations next month on YouTube. I'm just going to answer a question a day from folks, and maybe I can coerce you into coming over to my living room and answering <laughs> a few questions with me. We'll have a guest star, Ryan Nicodemus, on the Living Room Conversations. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm trying to use YouTube a little bit more for video creation. So I wanted a, a phone that was better for that. But there's one thing I'm doing on my phone now. You know, the really annoying clicking noise when people like you see like centigenarians like clicking their phones, like click, 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 click. It sounds like you can turn on the like the, the haptic feedback, uh, not the haptic feedback, but the, the just the actual audible clicking of the keys. Well, the, I think the clicking is iPhone's version of haptic feedback because you've got both actually. But. Are they allowed? Oh, wait, wait. I thought haptic feedback was like, uh, I'm getting caught in the weeds here, but I thought it was um, owned. Here, it was here, proprietary to. Yes, I understand that. Are you getting haptic feedback though? You can turn haptic feedback on. I don't have it on. I didn't realize you could on iPhones. Did you hear that? Click, click, click. Yes, I got you. I turned that on. Yeah. And the reason I turned it on mm-hmm. is because it's annoying to other people. <laughs> now, it's not my intention to annoy others. It's my intention to be more intentional with my phone. Mm-hmm. And so I know that I, I've been practicing, you know, hey, uh, if I have to take a text message, I, I, I've talked about this in a previous podcast, I'll walk outside and say, hey, excuse me for a second while I take this message. Mm-hmm. But this allows me, even around strangers, to be to realize like, oh, you're being that annoying person mm. with your keys all loud. And so you probably don't need to be texting, right? It's a reminder to me that I probably don't need to be doing this right now. So that's one thing that's been adding value to my life. Uh, also, um, I... Uh, the apartment building I live in has a j- just really small gym downstairs with a pull-up bar down there. So I didn't 
buy a pull-up bar for the apartment I'm in right now, and I missed it. And I realized, like, I can't live. This is something that truly adds value to my life. This is borderline essential for me. I need a pull-up bar in the place that I live. I need it in my bedroom because every time I walk under it, I like to do six quick pull-ups. And you, you can't really do that. You have to go down to the gym every time. That just doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been watching the, uh, the NBA playoffs. And so every time there's a commercial break, I go and do 10 pull-ups and uh, 35 push-ups and a bunch of squats. By the end of the basketball game, I am exhausted <laughs> because they have so many damn it's like, commercials. It's like you've been playing ball with them. I, exactly. I, I'm, I'm right there with LeBron James, basically. But <laughs> Are I they found, still in it? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, no way. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I've They're not been watching it. the finals, I think. Um, but, what, what's the what's the so is it still Celtic in Cleveland? Yeah, Celtics in Cleveland. Uh, it's uh, three to two as of this recording. Although by the time this comes out, who knows what will happen? So three to two, uh, favored by the Celtics right now. Yeah, Celtics won last night. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they, they won in Boston. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, I've, I found that like it's a uh, it, it lot because I don't just want to be a couch potato. I'm just gonna watch the game right now. So I'll turn the game on and as soon as it hits commercial. Even if I don't want to, I I'm up. I'm doing the pull ups. It's it's the price of admission for me uh, watching the TV. And so um, pull up bar. I'll put a link to the particular pull up bar I use. It's really great. Is it the um, one that drills in? Yeah, you have to drill it. You do have to drill it in. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's it's really simple. Um, if I can install it, then anyone with two arms can install it. I support that statement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute. But um, I, I we'll put a link to the the one that I use in the show notes. It's uh, it's a really good pull up bar, and it, it stays there, and it supports it supports my weight. Um, oh, and one album that I've been just really digging a lot of singer-songwriter stuff recently. And there's this gal named Phoebe Bridgers. I recommended a song from her she did with Noah Gunderson a few Mm. weeks ago, uh, that video. But her album is called Stranger in the Alps. And it is definitely one of my three favorite albums of the entire year. And she has a song. In fact, Sean, if we could end this episode with her song, it's called Smoke Signals. It's the, the first track on her new album. It is just gorgeous, and it reminds me so much of Los Angeles. That's awesome. I'll yeah, check it out, man. So those are my three added values. Turning on the keyboard sounds, pull-up bar, and working out there in commercial breaks, obviously. And then um, Phoebe Bridger's album. Uh, I, I recommended this yesterday on, on the Patreon live mm-hmm. stream that we did. I'm going to recommend it here, too. Um, so I, I downloaded a news app. It's called the Good News app. Love this idea, man. <laughs> and it literally... So there is there is a company, Good Inc. Yeah. And yeah, I, we, know, I, we know Max. Yeah, I, I love those guys. And I think that this news app, it truly... I'm not trying to put Good Inc. down because I do love them, but it does it does sway one way or the other. Like there are... When, you, when, I, when, I, uh, when I go to that website, there are some... Uh, uh, there are some partisan issues essentially. Mm, gotcha. So with the good news app, this is truly a bipartisan app. Yeah. It or is nonpartisan almost. Or nonpartisan. Right? Yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. Um but but here's the thing is like it, it is a little bit Christian y. Uh-huh. And I mean, I'm not a Christian. I wouldn't like claim to actually, if I had to pick a religion, maybe that's what I would be. But like my, my point is, is like, I'm not a religious guy. Yeah. So, uh, but it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can, you know, I can 
still take the good from it. Sure. Uh, some people, they like stay clear from that. So the good news app is something that you probably wouldn't want to do then. Cause it, like I said, it, it does lean a bit towards the Christian side of things, but it truly is every time you go to, uh, to the app, you have good news, feel good stories. I was just reading this morning about, um, how, uh, Boeing just sold, uh, their first 100 plane electric planes. So oh, like wow. they are starting to, um, build planes that run on electricity. There's no political BS on this news app. There is there is no there's no judgments of any kind on this app. It is not divisive. It is not exclusive. It is very inclusive. It's the opposite of all other news. Yes, exactly. It's yeah. the only. It is truly the only. There might be some other ones out there. And if you do know of any uh, anyone listening to this, if you know of some other good news apps that are similar or, or you know the same as what I'm talking about, uh, hit me up on Twitter or you know you can call in and, and leave a voicemail uh, for the. Uh, for a, for a tip for Josh and I, but right now it's the only one I've been able to find because I do love reading the news. I love staying informed, but most news outlets right now, well, uh, you know, you could pr- without looking at the news for the past two weeks or two months, you could probably guess all the bullcrap that's in the news right now that you cannot get past. Yeah. Well, you can get past it if you if you use this app. I and love you're it. You're gonna feel a whole lot better by ingesting consuming mm-hmm. that which is good yes absolutely all right let's move on to right here right now so we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalist we're going to be hiring a filmmaker soon because we're starting to do a video version of the podcast i'm pointing at the camera right now ryan we got our first camera in uh matt helped us set it up yesterday it's not on right now i'm thinking maybe we try to record next week if we can coerce Sean into recording until we have a, a filmmaker to come in. Uh, so uh, in June, probably on June 10th, I think, we're going to put up some details. We're going to be looking for a filmmaker. And so we're looking for some reels from folks who are interested in doing that kind of thing. We'll put all the details up at theminimalists.com. Speaking of theminimalists.com, we've got a bunch of good stuff going on, a bunch of new writings. I've been writing like a madman, not just for the website, but there are a few things that have made it onto the website. This is an essay I wrote recently called Accessories. Now, Accessories is spelled with an E. E X C E S S. I see what you did there. Accessories. In the Western world, money may serve as a loose marker of competence. One's ability to provide for a family, save for retirement, and stay out of debt are all signs of his or her proficiency. Ostentatious displays of material wealth, however, are evidence of incompetence. Not unlike peacocks, humans feel the need to signal their supposed prosperity to attract others. And even when we don't have the means, the modern world makes it easy for us to flex our consumerist muscles by way of 0% financing, luxury rentals, and other modes of consumer fakery. Even nine-year-olds are flaunting their excess these days. And I put a little link to the Little Tay videos. Have you, are, you, are you familiar with Little Tay? <laughs> the only reason I know about Little Tay is because... <laughs> you just, you just like, you, you, you got a depressed look on your face. <laughs> yeah, that's, this is where the video would come in, <laughs> into play. Um, the only reason I know about Little Tay is because I saw something come across uh, Twitter or something where it was the outtakes of Little Tay. Oh, man. And her brother just coerces, co- co- coerces her the whole time. Yeah. So, like, she's actually a pretty normal kid. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, I'm sure that... Like, that, she, she's, like, she, it's all, like, she's an actress is what for she sure. is. I hope, I hope she's, like, so good that she's just, like, on Saturday Night Live one day and yeah. it's all fakery, but... 
um it is it's sad it's, it's really un- it's saddening well dude this is this is a sign dude of like of where our society is heading yeah man. i'm the youngest flexor of the century dude and you're like come on that that is that's a well it goes back to this line right ostentatious displays of material wealth however are evidence of incompetence good god and, and a previous episode you and i talked about the the chrome plated bentley we saw to me that that isn't a sign of of i mean wealth is is great if you can do some really great things with it right and so but, uh yeah go ahead well it, it's just little tay for those of you out there listening to this you're like what the hell are these guys talking about She's a she's a, a, a she's a kid who uh, just basically I'm rich and I got everything and you all are suckers and I mean it's like this look at me yeah I'm rich look how young I am I'm better than you I'm better than all of you and uh, somehow people love being told that they're not as good as little Tay mm. I don't know what it is about that man but to me I think it's watching a train wreck it is yeah maybe watching a train wreck but it's it's unfortunate though. So like this is what we focus on, man. Like this is what, this is what um, I don't want to say drives us, but it, it, it certainly, it certainly is something that that drives people. The I'm better than you. I have more money than you. I have better status than you. And anyone, honestly, who has that attitude, man. Like, but like we were talking about in the past episode, that's insecurity coming out. You are yeah. insecure about your status in society. Yeah, yeah. That is that is. Uh, it's it's just unfortunate that. Um, I don't know, man, that like people like Little Tay can be popular and or like Wow Vicky or any of the other ones who uh Wow Vicky, she's just another gal who's like Little Tay, except same she's thing. older. Yeah, yeah, same exact thing. Coke and Pepsi. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, so back to the the second half of this this really sh- bite bite sized short essay here. Uh, when you step back though, you realize how silly this is. Look at my chrome plated rims, my logo plated handbag, my oversized house with more toilets than people. Don't I look relevant? But of course, Excess isn't a symptom of relevancy. It isn't even a demonstration of happiness or significance or well-being. In fact, the opposite is usually true. Our excessories merely hide our discontent while showcasing our insecurities yeah, at the same time. Absolutely. So uh, if you want to read that essay, or there's several other new ones there, head on over to theminimalists.com. You can also subscribe to our email there. Uh, just t- enter your email address at the top. You'll get all the show notes that we publish for the podcast, any new writings, also any new tour announcements. If we decide to go on tour in your area, you'll be the first to, to know about that. What else we got going on here? Oh, the Simply Southern Tour. We already talked about that. Um Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama. The public sale is uh, those go on sale to the public on June 8th, and uh, and then if you're a Patreon supporter, we'll, you'll be able to have access on June 6th. Um, I mentioned living room conversations. So every day in June on YouTube, I'm going to answer one question. I don't know how long it'll be. It could be a minute. It could be five minutes. It could be ten minutes. I'm also going to do a new home tour on YouTube. So June will be a good month on YouTube. I'll try to drag Ryan over as many times as I can to answer some, some questions. We'll just do one question a day, make it brief, uh, make it, uh, tailored for the American attention span. I guess the, the Western or worldwide attention span, the internet attention span these days. Dude, <laughs> I just saw, uh, it was like a meme or something that said, uh, 
directions on how to watch TV in 2018. First, turn on Netflix. Second, be overwhelmed by all the choices. Third, pick a a show or a series you've seen a million times. Four, push play. Five, surf on your telephone for two hours. (laughs) That's... (laughs) <laughs> That's about right. So while you're on your phone for two hours, maybe you'll, you'll find something useful on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Minimalist. Also, I'm teaching a writing class in June. Twice a year, I do a, a writing workshop. It's a two-hour online writing workshop. It's a distilled-down version of the four-week class I teach over at howtowritebetter.org. And uh, this two-hour workshop, uh, basically, it stands on its own. If you want uh, some better direction on improving your writing habit, also learning about composition, editing, and publishing, that two-hour workshop is June 24th this year. You can find the details to that. It's limited to 300 seats. I say seats in quotes here because it's uh, it's an online workshop. Virtual seats. Yes, uh, theminimalists.com slash workshop if you want to learn how to write more clearly and uh, improve your writing, whether it's business emails or blogging or you want to write your first book, I've got some tips that will help you out. Uh, video podcast coming soon, youtube.com slash theminimalists. We'll maybe try that next week for ne- next week's episode. And I think that's all I got. Ryan, you got anything else? Yeah, man. I got some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Here you go. Hi, my name is Jess, and I have gone from being a shopaholic to a minimalist, and it has completely changed my life. Um, I just wanted to kind of share with you a more effective form of using the one-in-one-out rule that has worked for me so well that I've never even had to make a swap. (laughs) Um, So with the one-in-one-out rule, one really good example is the first step to that being effective is to declutter honestly you know when you get rid of your stuff be honest with yourself like for example for me like my jewelry collection um I had so much jewelry but I only wore like five things so it took like three to four times and I finally decluttered everything and I just have one necklace I have one ring and then a couple pair of earrings and that's it you know so if I see this necklace in the store and I'm just like oh I really want that necklace Instead of thinking, well, I'll just buy it and get rid of a pair of socks, it doesn't work that way. If you if you buy a necklace, you have to get rid of a necklace. You have to get rid of a like item. And the reason why that works so well for me is because I have reduced my clutter so much that I only own one necklace and I love it so much. It's so special to me. There's no way I would buy another necklace and replace it. So it's just, it's really worked for me. Hi, my name is Elena and I'm from the Seattle area. I wanted to leave a comment on the role of minimalism in healing. Um, That just really spoke to me um, because about a year ago I started uh, going to counseling sessions um, to work through some unresolved childhood trauma that I had had experienced. And, um, you know, I came across minimalism at about the same time um, without even really trying. It just sort of seemed natural to pair decluttering uh, with my home and my my surroundings uh, with kind of the the unpacking I was doing in my mind. Um, So as I worked through all of this trauma and repressed feelings and and everything, I I became lighter. And um, that really paired well with with all of the stuff I was getting rid of as well. So, you know, the more stuff I got rid of, just the more um, kind of whole and, and open. And, and uh, you know, I, I just, I felt like I had 
more time and space for the healing, kind of like what what Joshua said about giving yourself the space to heal. So um, yeah, I can't really imagine um, my my psychological healing without the minimalism attached to it, because to me, it's kind of, um, they're very deeply intertwined. Hi, Josh and Ryan. This is Mike from St. Louis, Missouri. I'd like to share an observation that I made at my place of employment. The entrance to the building has a handicap accessible door that opens with the push of a button. I often see able-bodied people utilizing this feature rather than opening the door with their hands because they are carrying too much stuff with them, such as up to three bags and a cup in their hand. So basically, they are rendering themselves incapable of opening a door without assistance. To me, this is a great illustration of how things can weigh people down. To contrast this, a few months ago I took a week-long vacation and was able to bring everything I needed in a single backpack, and this was a liberating experience. So one bag for a week versus three bags for a single day is a difference worth considering next time you go somewhere. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Enjoy this song from Phoebe Bridgers. It's called Smoke Signals. You sure you, you want me to just sing it? I can... All right, we'll let her sing it. All right, do it. Lived in a campground in the back of a van, you said.
somebody else makes the bed. We'll watch TV while the lights on the street put all the stars to death. It's been on my mind since Bowie died. Just checking out to hide from life and all of our problems. I'm gonna solve. With you riding shotgun, speeding 'cause fuck the cops, and you. Looking back through the hall, you.